0: FOREVER! Hi, Anna. Hi, Andrew. And hey, everybody else. And welcome to our podcast, Scary, scary stories, stories to Tell on, to tell to tell the, on pod. the Pod.
1: It is a podcast all about scary stories, urban legends, spooky true things that you tell us about. And it's a comedy podcast. Anna and I are two comedians. We're not two scary-ians. Uh So what you're going to get here is a lot of nervous giggling about frightening things.
0: Yeah. Um, that's basically, that's the situation that you're in. It
1: sure is. And Anna, today is a Wednesday.
0: It's a Wednesday. I'm sorry, my friends.
1: I'm very, it's hump day. We still got a couple more days to go before the weekend, but none of that means anything anymore because we're all living on our couches.
0: Yeah, it's late February, my friends. (laughs) Time has no meaning. Nothing special will ever happen again.
1: We've all just got two pancake butts now, and we're all just going to have to live with that. And if you if you have a well-toned butt at this moment, I feel maybe this podcast is not for you.
0: I gave up having a body for Lent a couple of <laughs> years ago. And as it turns out, I'm devoutly religious.
1: <laughs> but one good thing about Wednesdays is it is Urban Legisode Day. Correct. And Anna, it is my turn. Mm-hmm. And I have stumbled across something that up to this point, I had no idea about, much like last week's Ball Lightning, which I am still shook by.
0: I can't stop thinking about it. I just
1: can't stop thinking about it. Um, but Anna, I feel like maybe you're going to either enjoy this or hate it so much.
0: <gasps> Good. Um,
1: this is an old, old, old urban legend, like like 1200s urban legend.
0: I like that.
1: Uh, this is the story of the green children of Woolpit.
0: <laughs> no. Are you ready? Oh, I'm already pissed off.
1: <laughs> okay. So uh, th- this this Urban Legisode draws from our favorite book, Wikipedia. It pulls from uh, historic-uk.com and an article by Ben Johnson. And also an article from the New York Times called Foundlings Wrapped in a Green Mystery by Denisha Smith.
0: Good name.
1: Uh, okay. So Anna... The legend of the green children of Woolpit concerns two children of unusual skin color who reportedly appeared in the village of Woolpit in Suffolk, England, sometime in the 12th century, perhaps during the reign of King Stephen.
0: <laughs> Good God. King Stephen? No. I, That's a th- co-worker's name. Yes. That's not a king's s- name?
1: Yeah. Stephen King, not King Stephen. Firmly, firmly can't. Hey. Yeah.
0: It's Adam and Eve, not King Stephen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so... The title of this story may sound immediately implausible to the cynics amongst us, but surprisingly, this is one tale of folklore which is probably founded on some basis of truth. <laughs> no! Hannah? No. Here we go. The legend of the Green Children of Woolpit starts during the reign of King Stephen in a rather tumultuous time in England's history called the Anarchy in the mid-12th century. Oh. Woolpit, or in Old English, Wolfpit...
0: Yeah, okay, we get it. Sign me up. Uh, <laughs> Andrew, you got to go.
1: <laughs> is an ancient village in Suffolk named after, as one might gather from its name, an old pit used for catching wolves.
0: <laughs> Imagine, Andrew, if you were as a child learned about wolf pits, there'd be so many holes in your parents' front lawn. <laughs> <mom.
1: laughs> Imagine living in wolf pit back then and like a cool friend comes to visit and you're like, um, yeah, I can take you to see the wolf pit.
0: Your cool friend's like, this
1: sucks. You're
0: like, now, oh, no.
1: next to this wolf pit in around 1150, a group of villagers came across two young children with perfectly green skin, apparently speaking gibberish and acting nervously. I mean, <laughs> Anna, you and I, you and I are the two green children.
0: <laughs> I have never been more something than I am <laughs> these two children with you.
1: <laughs> gibberish, acting nervously. Um, According to contemporary writings at the time by Ralph of Coggeshall, well, sure. Which Ralph? Oh, of Coggeshall? Yeah, yeah.
0: Ralph? Um, no, these names.
1: I know. Uh, The children were subsequently taken to the nearby home of Sir Richard de Calne, where he offered them food, but they repeatedly refused to eat. This continued for some days until the children came across some green beans in Richard de Calne's garden, oh. which they oh. ate straight out of the ground. <laughs>
0: Come on. Get it it together. Get
1: it together, children. Oh,
0: come here.
1: It is thought that the children lived with Richard de Cown for some years, where he was able to slowly convert them over to normal food. According to the writings of the day, (laughs) this change in diet led to the children losing their green complexion. The children also slowly learned to speak English, and once fluent, they were asked where they were from and why their skin was once green. Anna? They replied with, We are inhabitants of the land of St. Martin, who is regarded with peculiar veneration in the country which gave us birth. I mean, they learned English hard.
0: (laughs) They learned smart English.
1: We are ignorant of how we arrived here. We only remember this, that on a certain day when we were feeding our father's flocks in the fields, we heard a great sound, such as we are now accustomed to hear at St. Edmund's, where the bells are chiming. And whilst listening to the sound in admiration, we became on a sudden, as it were, entranced, and found ourselves among you in the fields where you were reaping. The sun does not rise upon our countrymen. Our land is little cheered by its beams. We are contented with that twilight which, among you, precedes the sunrise or follows the sunset. Moreover, a certain luminous country is seen, not far from ours, and divided from it by a very considerable river. So, okay. This, (laughs) these children are saying they are from a land with no sunlight and they're perpetually in shadow and twilight.
0: But they can see our world, I guess. Yes.
1: Um, This checks
0: out for me hard.
1: I know. So, so there's also like, there's a very long section of this kid talking about where they're from. And basically it kind of stems down to either these kids are aliens who were able to see our planet. Like they were from the moon (laughs) or something. And then they got caught in a loop in like a black hole that like, you know, burped them up in our world. The other thing, what people thought at the time was that they were from the fairy world, which is like either underground in like a whole other world or in another dimension that is like a shadow world of ours. Um, So shortly after this revelation, Richard took the children to be baptized in a local church. However, the boy died almost immediately afterwards.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh my god!
1: Yes.
0: What? Come yes. on!
1: You can't do that.
0: Ugh, if don't. Y- ew. If you're, if a kid dies right after a baptism, take the note. Take the note. Stop your actions.
1: <laughs> now the girl later known as Agnes, um, continued to work for Richard de for many years before marrying the archdeacon of Eli, Richard Barr. According to one report, the pair had at least one child.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, they did. It. She, you know what? She married up.
1: So here's, here's the kind of trickiness about this, Anna. Um, <laughs> Oh, wait, wait, I forgot. I forgot to mention this. Um, According to Ralph, the girl was employed for many years, uh, and she was considered to be, quote, very wanton and impudent. Oh. Um, she, when she, she did eventually marry, she had at least one child. Um, the astronomer and writer Duncan Lunan concluded that the girl was given the name Agnes, which means Lamb of God, believing that she was, like, sent from another world. Sure. Um, now... This like, this like gets deeply, um, wrapped up in folklore. So sometimes it gets a little hard to distinguish, uh, what is fact and what is fiction. Also, this is like, you know, nearly a thousand years old. So who knows? People Um, didn't
0: know that bears didn't have tails. No one knew anything.
1: People drew sharks with like big noses and like, (laughs) and like beautiful, gorgeous, huge lips. There was Um, no
0: difference between a thought and a fact. (laughs)
1: Uh, But one of the things that happened folklore wise is it evolved into the story of Babes in the Woods. Do you know this? Do you know this nursery rhyme? I don't. Oh, I'm
0: scared. It's
1: not. Okay. So my mom used to sing it to me to bed and I thought it was the most beautiful song in the world. I wasn't really listening to the lyrics. Her mom sang it to her. Her mom's mom sang it to her. Like it goes like way, way, way down the line in my family of this song being sung. And I'm going to sing it, Anna. I'm warning you, it is a tremendously troubling song. Okay. Are you ready?
0: Please. I'm if if I want to hear it anyway, it's gonna be hearing it from you. So please, yes.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Uh please excuse my singing voice. I have not practiced this at all. Oh, don't you remember a long time ago? Two poor little babes whose names I don't know Were found in the woods one bright summer's day And left in the woods I've heard some folks say And when they were dead the robin, so red Took strawberry leaves and over them spread And sang them a song the whole night long Poor babes in the woods Poor babes in the woods.
0: <laughs> Andrew, what you just did to me and our friendship is super <laughs> fucked up. I am covered in electric, ice cold jokes. <laughs> this was a song your mom sang to you, what, as a threat? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it never occurred well then the, the twist is then when my mom had grandchildren, now she doesn't sing the dead part. Now my mom sings and when they were fed the robin. So red which makes no sense, but also I get it.
0: Oh my god. A um, weirder Robin. The first Robin is service oriented. This Robin is just weird. <laughs> like you guys are full. Here I come.
1: So a lot of the a lot of the ideas around um the green children and like the the edification of them. Was that um, green spirits are considered, like, in Kelter tradition to be, like, sinless. Like, they're, like, Ooh. perfect creatures that are practically angels. Okay. Um, and so, like, to have them stumble upon our world, they were tasked with, like, oh, we've got to take very good care of these kids. Um, and God also there's some there's some like philosophers in the day who were like oh we never should have fed them stuff that turned them not green we like corrupted them and <laughs> um, and even uh, according to oh i can't find i can't find this old philosopher but there was a philosopher who was like yes this happens all the time there uh, <laughs> Sometimes, whenever a kid gets lost in uh, in our world, they stumble in and they they're they're taken care of by the fairy people. So we need to take good care of them. But uh, he thought that the reason why the one green kid died when he was baptized is that God was like, no, 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 this is already a perfect being. Like, I, it doesn't need to be baptized. I'm just going to ascend him straight into heaven, which is just God, very fun and
0: confusing. No, God, come on, what are you doing?
1: <laughs> um, but then. The fact that Agnes married and had like um had like someone who was part fairy but mixed with a sinful child of earth means that like whatever their kid wa- was had the a uh, uh, tremendous opportunity to be very evil and powerful. But we don't God. know the we don't know. I mean, the thing is though, for all we know that that family line is still going, and someone's a little bit related to one of the green kids.
0: God, I I'd, I'd want to know.
1: Me too. So, so that's the like, um, that's the like supernatural reading of it. There's, there's a historical explanation, but I still have the historical explanation discards a lot of the weirder parts of the story. Okay.
0: I want to, okay. Tell me what the historical is.
1: So, um, a lot of people think that these kids were just Flemish immigrants.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They're speaking some kind of weird fairy language. I think that's Flemish. I have a cousin who's in Flanders. No, they're fairies and they're eating the ground.
1: They're fully fairies. So many Flemish immigrants arrived in Eastern England during the 12th century and they were persecuted uh, after Henry II became king in 1154. And a large number were killed near St. Edmund's in 1173, um, which could be like these two kids were orphaned. Um, and were just sort of like left in the woods and they became, um, malnutritioned. And so their su- their skin had a sickly color to it. Got it. Um, also there was something called the green sickness back then, which was kind of a wasting disease. Um, which really what was happening is it, your skin was turning blue, but there wasn't a lot of clarification about colors back then. So sometimes people were just like, uh, blue children, blue is green, green is whatever, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, and so like they would have arrived in Woolpit, disoriented, bewildered, and dressed in unfamiliar Flemish clothes. <laughs>
0: uh, were they just wearing green shirts and everyone was like, their skin is green.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, uh, Flemish, Flemish people were huge for green spandex. Um,
0: <laughs> they wore morph suits for like, they did like anti circus stuff.
1: But the pr- so the problem with this is. That while if we were talking about strictly like non-educated people entirely, they might assume that that Flemish was um, an alien language. But but the two people involved in the story who were in Woolpit were two educated people who after the war um, and after the the arrival of so many Flemish immigrants, for sure would have been like, wait, everybody know. These are not fairy kids. These are just Flemish immigrants. Um So it's like unclear why they would allow that to become the story and even in their own writings be like, yeah, I mean, you know, they're aliens for sure. The other funny thing is that in later years, this story is like seized upon by um, uh, English anarchists, in particular uh, a poet and critic named Herbert Reed, um, who describes the story as like the perfect fairy tale and the type of fairy tale that all fantasy fantasy should conform to, which is about like, if something perfect and natural comes into our world, we should not like corrupt it and turn it into our own image. Like we should let wild things be wild.
0: Got it. So like giving your dog a, a paw to cure is not the move
1: is not the move. Don't put a little hat on your dog. At least that's what anarchist uh, critic and poet Herbert Reed would say. <laughs> um, he also wrote a book called *The Green Child*, which was, uh, I guess, heavily inspired by this. Um, but I will also say uh, that these stories about like changelings or like mm-hmm. this this really occupies so much of um, of Celtic and British lore. This idea of like there's another world that we need to respect and they're better than us. Um, but if we accidentally get one of their kids or if they get one of our kids, like all bets are off and it's better just to kill the kid, which is oh, awful. Oh, no. I know. I don't like, no,
0: that. I, I really, first of all, I'm loving the story. Secondly, like when you said, well, sometimes our kids go there and if their kids come here, we have to take good care of them. That made me feel really nice.
1: I know. See, that and that's that's like why this story I feel like is a is a more pleasant urban legend than a lot of other changeling stories which is like if there was anything if like this is I, I don't know, lore the podcast covers this much more um uh well thought out and academically than I am now, but there was a lot of things about like there were a lot of people who if there was a um uh, a kid who was neurodivergent or had a disability or a physical deformity, they'd be like it's a changeling, like throw it in the fire. Um, But I like this take, which is like, oh, wow. Like these, these angelic kids from the beyond are here. And I guess we just got to like feed them and raise them as our own, which I like.
0: It's way nicer. We can all agree.
1: Um, Also, I think like this story holds some resonance because uh, it, I think like Irish people love this story because it's the opposite of what (laughs) the British did to them. (laughs) Which is oh, like, no.
0: Which little is like, green people. Yeah,
1: like coming here and then making us change all our ways. And instead it sort of like becomes an analogy for Gaelic or Celtic people.
0: Right, um, speaking a different language.
1: I guess what I'm confused by is where the – oh, I guess the underground stuff is like that's where people just thought the fairy world was.
0: Sure. Uh, under the ground.
1: Under the ground, yeah. But that there was like a whole other world, and that's why there's no sunlight. But it's like everything is sort of filtered, so that's what makes it twilight.
0: Got it. You come through the hole in the dirt.
1: Wow. Yeah, I just was – I just was – I was very struck by this story. I don't know why – it's a little more fairy tale-ish than we normally go. Um, but even today, the the town of Woolpit, their village sign depicts the two green children. Uh, at least that's the sign that was put up in 1977.
0: Let's all go to Will Pitt.
1: Let's check it out. Is this, does has anyone else ever heard about this? I'm curious, like right in. I, Her-
0: I deeply have not, but I'm sure people have.
1: I'm particularly interested in our um, Across the Pond listeners, if this is like a more common story there in the way that like Johnny Appleseed is for us, you know?
0: Yeah, or if it's sort of like the opposite where like you go to like a Houston airport and they have like New York pizza restaurant. <laughs> or like, if it's a thing somewhere else, because it's so based on the thing here.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. I found, I found this uh, medieval historian who uh, let's, let's just take what he says with a grain of salt. So okay. Gerald of Wales, um, was a this, Cambro again,
0: the names come on.
1: I know. Hey, Jerry. No. um, Uh, He was a Cambro-Norman archdeacon of Brecon, and he was an historian and royal clerk to uh, uh, the king and two archbishops. And he straight up says that one time he was walking in the woods, he fell into a cave, encountered two pygmies who led him through an underground passage into a beautiful land of fields and rivers, but it was not lit uh, by the full light of the sun. Um, And then immediately afterwards, it just says, but this motif is poorly attested. (laughs)
0: God, if I I want it to be well attested, I want that to be real,
1: right? But and then it's inhabitants of this lower world often visit mortals and continue to live with them, which is very confusing and weird.
0: Little guys.
1: Oh, this is so strange. That also there is some, um, oh, this is very weird. Jeffrey Jerome Cohen, a literary critic, offers a different kind of historical explanation, arguing that the story is an oblique account of the racial difference between the contemporary British and the indigenous Britons.
0: Oh. Isn't that weird? It's all weird. Who was green? I really get the appeal of a fairy world. Like, it makes sense to me that, like, there's a little, there's like this perfect place that's so peaceful and nature based. Um come here. Speaking of which Ladybird was just hand delivered to the couch by boyfriend of the pod, Jason. <laughs> come here, little little fairy dog. Does anyone have a dog named Fairy? Please write in.
1: That's good. Or a dog named Agnes.
0: Agnes? A good name for like a like a deer dog.
1: Yes, I come like here. that a lot.
0: Come on. She won't walk over the microphone cord. Come here, you
1: really? She thinks it's a little river or a snake.
0: She does. It's like a circle of salt.
1: I love, you posted this video around the holidays, Anna, when she would not walk past a Christmas decoration of a reindeer.
0: (laughs) It was the two reindeer, which I thought it was the thing. And then I zoomed past the reindeer and it was actually a cement um, gargoyle of a dog that was holding a basket in its mouth. And I was like, honestly, Ladybird, fair. I get that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Our friends, Billy and Liz, their dog, Abby, um... She, around Halloween, will not walk by a human skeleton. She just is like, I can't do it. I won't do it.
0: (laughs) She is correct in that situation. We're the weird ones for doing it. I know. I mean,
1: in in many ways, our pets are like the green children. where We bring them into our weird-ass world, like vacuums and garbage disposals, and they're out of their minds.
0: And we try to baptize them, and they explode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Also, we kind of skimmed over the fact that these things—these the the green children—only eat uh, broad beans or green beans.
0: They're also called what? Broad. I think I think broad beans are green beans. Oh, broad beans. Okay.
1: Or are they lima beans?
0: No, I like that.
1: Right in. Um, and that's the story of the green children of Woolpit, everybody.
0: Andrew, thank you so much. I love this. I just think it's great. I also like that there's two of them. If it was only one, it'd be too sad. I know. If it was three, that'd be creepy. Two was the perfect amount of green children.
1: I wonder what Agnes's vibe was. I mean, I'm sure she was real bummed and maybe upset after the brother immediately died after being baptized.
0: God, I'd be pissed.
1: Um, But then that, I mean, that's why she was, what do they say? Impotent and wanton. Wanton. I mean, tag yourself. <laughs> but, oh, man. Um, good for you. Good
0: for us. Who would
1: we cast uh, like, other than ourselves? <laughs> who would we cast as the green children now?
0: Um, I just saw Abigail Breslin and her brother <gasps> on Instagram. Spencer. They were the kids in. Yes, they were the kids in. uh Seuss situation cat in the hat or I cat prefer.
1: Yeah. It translated into Romanian and back to English cat in the hat would be called the Seuss
0: situation. It w- <laughs> the Seuss incident. <laughs> um, maybe them, uh, who else? I don't know.
1: I kind of, maybe. who were the, the Russian duo tattoo from the early two thousands?
0: Yes, definitely them.
1: They're not going to get us. That was the big thing. I um, know. I feel like they kind of feature heavily to me or to go like very much in the opposite direction. You know what? Do a, do a Barb and star, you know, cast, um, Barb uh, Kristen star, Wig and, and Annie good. Mumolo.
0: I definitely see that. I also see sort of like, a um, Ivanka and, uh, what's her husband's name? Jared. Jared. <laughs> <The> <laughs> oh two my. Two of them are siblings. It's. They it's were okay. Ush- A yeah. lot of people marry people who are their siblings in the face. And <laughs> I celebrate and affirm.
1: <laughs> um, also, just jumping to mind from the name Agnes, um, Anna, have you been watching WandaVision with your Marvel boyfriend?
0: Um, He has been watching it without me, which is like, on the one hand, I want to be pro that show because I love uh, Elizabeth Olsen. I love Paul Batney deeply. Yes. But it's also Marvel, which makes me want to not like it. Uh, I ha- Marvel people aren't super thrilled with it, which makes me want to like it.
1: I have to say, the presence of Catherine Hahn is oh. really powerful. I mean, uh, Twitter's popping off; they love her very much. Uh, you and she I have been so good. We've been Catherine Hahn stands for a long time. Check the receipts, you know. Check them. Um, Someone should. But she's one of our, she's one of our frequent uh, cast characters uh, in the scary story to tell in the dark universe. And I feel like she might be good as um, Richard, the person who takes them in. Like, I love a movie with like Catherine yes. Hahn dealing with alien children. I feel like that'd be great. I definitely see that. Yeah.
0: Um, I can also see like anyone who's in The Leftovers.
1: <gasps> oh, Regina sure.
0: King or Justin Thoreau, which we, Jason and I. I would seen the whole series and we watched the pilot of it yeah. today and uh, I was like, well, you know, things are already dark and watching a dark thing is actually going to be fine and I won't feel sad. <laughs> and then the whole pilot is just dog shooting for an hour, oh, no. just <laughs> shooting dogs all day. Oh, um, And I came away, surprised, feeling bad.
1: <laughs> I will say that I was looking up different urban legisodes. And one of the things I do look for is um, urban legisodes in which animals do not get hurt.
0: That's really kind. It's, but um, it, I know I, I need to grow up and be okay with dogs getting shot, but, um, <laughs> it, no, but it's not, thing. I, I
1: think it's a, I think it's a good mental health step, Anna, that I'm glad we've implemented in the pod because it's just a thing where it's like, we don't need to introduce that into our lives, you know? We certainly don't. Um, but something we would introduce into each other's lives, it's time for our favorite segment. Scary, scary ideas, ideas for, for things, things that
0: have can happen. For
1: could wow, this one was or a struggle. To,
0: but you know what? If you're here, you're here. <laughs> um, um, Andrew, would you like to go first?
1: I would. I would. You get a birth announcement in the mail from two people you do not know. And the baby is extraordinary looking in that it has normal-sized eyes, but then it's holding its hands up and in the palm of each of its hands appear to be two other eyes. And you think, oh, this is so weird that I received this by accident. Um, I and, and what a weird Photoshop to do for a birth announcement. And uh, then suddenly... You get a knock at your door, and you look through the peephole, and it appears to be a um, a post a post officer, <laughs> a postal employee.
0: Oh my god! Oh, Nick Packard thing. And oh,
1: uh, and uh, and you open the door, and they say, "Hi, I think maybe I um, dropped off the wrong piece of mail here." And you say, "Oh, is it this?" And you hold out the birth announcement, and then they hold their palm over it, and they say. Yep, thank you. And they take it, and as they walk away, you see in the palms of their hands are two blinking eyeballs. That, that
0: could happen. happen. Andrew? The eyes spooky. The
1: eyes on the face were decorative. The functional ones were in the palm of the hands.
0: God. It's, this sounds like an, an Andalite.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Ooh, Bringing it to Animorphs. Found... We... Axe.
0: Um Cool. Well, oh my God, good one. Thank you. Um, I also have weird babies on the brain. Good. Here we go. You're riding the subway. It's September, and your ass is vaccinated. Okay. Woo. You have been surfing USA every single day, and you feel good. And the whole thing is behind you, and you feel amazing. And then you look up, and you. Look Look at the people on the train, and they're all looking at you. And as the lights on the train flicker and dim, so do they. <gasps> they flash in and out with the lights. And they're all looking at you. That, that could, could happen.
1: happen. Oh, people who disappear Sorry. when the lights go out, scary spooky.
0: Ugh. I mean, better than the opposite, people who appear when the lights go out. that's very true. That's lights out, and that's a movie that I am still terrorized by, even though I watched three seconds of the trailer. yeah,
1: it, be at peace and know that it's a very goofy movie. The short film is excellent though. that scared the that scared the pants off me. It still does. I can't the 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 image of it on YouTube I can't even click on. It's too scary.
0: It's too scary. like the duct tape. come yeah.
1: on too scary that's the scariest type of tape the sound it makes uh anna thank you so much for uh letting me read about green children today
0: andrew thank you so much for reading about green children today
1: Uh, And you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at scary story underscore pod.
0: And you can leave us a five star review on iTunes or whatever. It's fine. We'll survive.
1: Uh, Yeah, we'd like it. If if you're enjoying it and you're having a good time, do let us know because that really means a lot to us and it helps the show quite a bit.
0: And if you do, you might find money on the ground. (laughs) So there's an incentive.
1: That could happen.
0: It could happen. You know what else could happen? Get Get out. out forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Scary Stories to Tell on the Pod is executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Produced by Tracy Soren. Original theme music by Chris Ryan. Cover art by Bats Langley. To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcasts.com slash plus. Check out video clips of our podcasts on YouTube at youtube.com slash team. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at forever dog team to keep up with all the latest forever dog news.